joy and privilege to be here in camp meeting this year, fellowshipping, enjoying God's presence with God's people, learning God's word. Amen. I've just been a part of what, the move of the Spirit of God in this session. Amen. I want to appreciate God's servant, Reverend Aramada, and also the Savannah family. Amen. I also see another great man of God here, Reverend Gomwalk, the first class church. <laughs> Reverend Tokula, bless you, sir. Reverend Phillips, and Pastor, thank you. Pastor Tinde, thank you, Reverend Ophi, thank you. I have a dear friend with me also, Pastor Tosi Ajolori from House of David here in Abuja. Dear friend of mine, we've known each other for over 30 years. Yes, over 30 years. We're in college together. Great man of God. Him and his uh, sister. Great, great, great family. Great family. Pajolore, great family. Great family. Great people. Thank you for being here this uh, morning. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Reverend uh, thank you for not going into my message. Amen. Thank you, sir. <laughs> thank you. While I was getting ready today, after, of course, I have all my message stuff together, the Lord just put something to my heart. The Lord said this statement, to make this statement as I start, you deserve it. You deserve it. You deserve it. It's not because you earned it, but because it is yours by inheritance. You deserve it. You might not work for it, but you deserve it. It's been paid for in full. Therefore, it's yours to take. Amen? As a parent, when you prepare meals for your children, if your child comes and starts crying, and you say, why are you crying? Because I did not do everything right. You look at the child like, something's wrong with you. You deserve it. You're my son. You're my daughter. I took time to make this for you. That's the message of grace. God has taken time to prepare everything. He has set a banquet table before us. His banner is love. It's all about his grace. He has said everything and said, come and dine. You deserve it. It's not, it doesn't matter what you've done or not done. You deserve it. Hallelujah. He's made more than enough provision for you. More than enough. Exceeding abundantly above. Hupa balo megatos in the Greek. Exceeding abundantly above. Overflowing. Excess. Over the top. Over the top. Over the top. God's goodness. God's goodness for you and I is over the top. You cannot exhaust it. It's so wide. You can't run out of it. It's so low. It's so high. It's just that deep. You know, sometimes when you think about what you've done and the things you've done that are not very good, and you think about it. Because I don't know about you. I was not raised in the word of faith and grace. I wasn't raised in that. I was raised in religion. If you were born again, like when I got born again in the 80s, if you were part of the, the what they call the SU movement and all that, it, it wasn't that, that. It wasn't, if you were born again in the 80s, you, not, you know what I'm talking about. That was not what we're told. Amen. You were told that you could just lose everything in one second. You could, yeah, you could just lose everything in one second. And all that you've done, all that good, everything just wipes out. And they'll quote the Old Testament to you and tell you about if a man has been serving God all these years and it's based one sin, everything is cancelled. Amen. So that made your Christianity always on the alert. You never felt comfortable. You were never seated at the right hand of God. Thank you. You were always perching at the table. You never sat because you were not sure. Maybe I might, maybe I might one day be. You were told there was an angel 
they had an eraser at the back of the, of the angel of the pen. When you commit a sin, he'll erase your name from the book of life. When you repent, he'll write again. I said that angel by now, that erase must be broken. Because that angel would have done this so many times. So there was so much, you know, so much lack of security in that walk, in that lifestyle. And that's because in that thought process, God was looked upon as a master. Amen. When, when somebody is your master, your boss, you, it's, your relationship with them is based on approval, based on performance. Are you hearing me? And that's not the message of grace. That's not the message of Jesus Christ. Bible says Moses, the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Moses, Hebrews tells us, as a servant. Jesus as a son. There's a difference. Hebrews 2 tells us that. Moses as a servant. Okay, Jesus as a son. A servant is based on performance. Servitude is like going to work. Okay? Going to work and earning a pay. If you don't show up, guess what? You don't get paid. Maybe in Nigeria you get paid. Where I come from, everyone knows. If you don't show up at work, they dock your pay. That means that day, you're not getting paid. Everyone that not so. He knows. That's how we work over in America. If you don't show up, you don't get paid. Nobody pays you because you're handsome, beautiful, nice, merciful, nothing. You don't show, you don't get paid. Okay? So that's the relationship of Moses and God. That's why there's a scripture. Deuteronomy uh, 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 28. If you look at it very carefully, you have to be very cautious as a New Testament believer looking at Deuteronomy 28. If you diligently obey the Lord thy God and all that, these blessings will come after. No, 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 no. Listen very carefully. I wish you go. I wish you had time. I'm not going to go too deep in that yet. If you diligently obey, okay, look, I like that. Thank you for bringing it up. Look at what it says there. If you do that, keep going down. You see, if you diligently obey, this blessing will come. So the blessings were coming after the obedience and performance. Okay, the blessings came with the obedience and performance. Now, listen, that is not to say we should not obey. I'm going, to, I'm going to talk about that in this message. It's not so we should not obey, but in the Mosaic order, the blessing was consequential to the obedience at the back of it. So if you don't obey, you don't get blessed. You don't obey, you don't get blessed. It was a problem, that system. But in Christ, we saw in Ephesians 1 3, it tells us we are already blessed. We are already blessed. We are already blessed. Then we obey afterwards. Amen. Today, my message is retrofitted for grace. Retrofitted for grace. Okay? We are already blessed that we are now able to... It's like telling a dog or telling a, a cow that you should bark. A cow is not a dog. Unless you make the cow a dog, then the cow can now begin to bark. Okay? We are retrofitted for grace. Retrofitted for grace. Let me start by saying this. The continuing grace means to means to persist. It means to push forward. It means to make progress in grace. It means to advance in grace. It means to push forward, to make progress. It means that there's a starting point of grace. There's also a progression supposed to be made. Amen? Unfortunately, some of us, we stay at the starting point. We don't go beyond the starting point. So we are still what I call babies in grace because we just stay at the starting point. You know, we just stay at the starting point. Some things that people said, Somebody said this sometime. I'm going to say this. It sounded a little, a little weird to me. That uh, this was the married man who said this. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it the way person said it. He said, look, if he slept with somebody who was not his wife, 
it was not his spirit that said it was the flesh. I said, okay. Okay. Now, this was my answer. If I was his wife, I would give me a dirty slap and say, it was not my spirit. That, it was not my flesh that beat you with my spirit. It, it, was not, it was not my flesh. It was not my flesh. And, and the person would claim they're in grace. No, you're not in grace. You're in foolishness. You're in irresponsibility. You don't understand grace. We're retrofitted. Retrofitted for grace. So there's a continuation. There's a persistence. There's a pushing forward. There's a progress we make in grace. A progress we make. Where we don't just stay at the elemental stage of grace. But we continue. We break progress. Of course we know in John 1.14. John 1.14. Let's look at it please. John 1.14. It says the word was made flesh. And dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, glorious of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So we see in that scripture that Jesus is the full embodiment of grace. He's the full embodiment of truth. Okay, so there's a correlation between grace and truth in that scripture. It isn't full of grace, and then somewhere else full of truth. He put them together in one place. Jesus, the embodiment of, of, is a, of the full embodiment of grace and truth. is grace and truth personified. So you can't separate grace from truth. It's like you say, you can't separate grace from walking in love. You can't separate grace from truth. So if I want to see grace, but when I say truth, I mean particular New Testamental truth. That's what I'm talking about. We have to look at from the New Testament to see it. And of course, one of the people, the person we call the apostle of grace, Paul wrote a lot of truth in God's word. So it, it, it therefore makes sense, make logical sense that we can correlate the two together. Now, as a teacher, I do logical teaching sometimes, which means I make you think and I argue and all that kind of stuff. If you're familiar with my stuff on Facebook, I post some stuff that will cause controversy. The whole idea is to make you think, to engage your your your, your Christ mind. Amen. In John seventeen seventeen, it says there, "Sanctify them with thy truth; thy word is truth." Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for this wonderful opportunity to sit down and table of your word one more time, to dine, to feast on your word. Holy Spirit, you are the teacher. Lord, I just yield unto you today, Spirit of God, to think through me, speak through me, cause your words to come forth to simplicity and clarity. Thank you, Father, because of the blessings and the glory we enjoy in your presence. In Jesus' name, all who believe, say amen. Okay. John 17, 17 says, sanctify them with or through thy truth. Thy word is truth. To sanctify means to set apart for a holy use. Set apart. You take a cup, you set apart for work, for work in the temple, tabernacle, whatever you want to call it, it becomes, that's what's called sanctification. To set apart. So it says, what sets us apart is truth. It's the truth of God's word. What sets us apart, even in our grace walk, is Allegiance to truth, to, to biblical truth, New Testament truth. Okay, sanctify it, set them apart with thy truth. Thy word is truth. Thy word is truth. One of the things that we have in today's world, unfortunately, is people say, That's your truth, and this my truth. I, I bet you've heard those things before. That's not what the word of God says here. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the truth, the truth. It's not about my opinion or your opinion. It's about what the word says. Hallelujah. It's not about my feelings. Unfortunately, we live in a generation where the Gen Z's and the Gen X, whatever Gens they call themselves now, it's not Gen Z, right? It's not which one, which one is it? Is it Gen Z people's time? So called 
people, millennials and Gen Z, okay? But it's more Gen Z people. The people who, who walk by their feelings. Everything's how they feel about it. It's not about what is, it's about how I feel about it. I can wake up and say, I feel like a woman. Yes, I feel like a woman. If a husband and wife can switch roles every week, the man will feel like the wife. The, the woman will feel like, you know, they just keep switching back and forth. So much confusion. And it puts us in a place where if we're not careful, listen, this is very important. If we're not careful, we become also that way in the church. Truth in God's word, we begin to feel how we feel about them. So I can feel one day tithing is not New Testamental. I can feel that baptism in water is not necessary. I can feel that communion is not necessary anymore. Because it's not about how I feel. No. No, that's not biblical. That's not biblical. That is wrong. He said, thy truth. So if I would thy truth, thy word is the truth. Thy word is the truth. How you feel, how I feel about it is not truth. It's how you feel. Hallelujah. Some days you feel like running, some days you don't feel like running. Some days you feel hungry, you don't feel hungry. That doesn't mean you're not going to eat. <laughs> Amen. So the, we've got to be loyal to truth, to what the truth says. We've got to be loyal to it and not respect people and dignitaries and all that. I mean, I, a little mention was made about my uncle. I call, I call Crefidon my uncle. A little, you know, about some things that my uncle said. <laughs> you know, that's why I call Crefidon my uncle. And a couple of things I said. We have to be careful that we're loyal to the truth, not to people. Paul said, I let I be accursed. Paul said, even I, if I say something against the truth, let I be accursed. We have to be careful that we're not loyal to individuals, to personalities. Okay, somebody has a big name does not mean the person is bigger than the Bible. I don't care how many cathedrals they built, how many domes they have. We must be loyal to truth. We must be loyal to truth. Hallelujah. I'm not going to stand before Crefordola in heaven. I'm going to stand before God. So Crefordola is not my judge. God is my judge. Hallelujah. You know the funny thing I say about many of those people who preach against the tithe, who have built their own domes, their own cathedrals, their own buildings? Why don't they return back the money to everybody who gave? You all missed that. You all missed that. You all missed that. When they are building the dome, they collected money from everybody. Now they, now they don't believe in giving anymore. Why don't they just give back the money to the people? They don't give back to them. They don't give back to them. But they tell young pastors today, don't collect tithe. It's a very selfish thing. Think with me. Think with me. When I was building mine, I collected from you to build. Now you want to build yours. I say, don't collect. What does that mean? Don't build. Meanwhile, I have mine. <laughs> uh, I, let, I don't know if you are thinking with me. Uh, I don't know if you are thinking with me. Uh, uh, <laughs> don't build. I built mine. I have mine now. Don't build yours. It took me to help you build yours. But now nobody should help me build mine. It's, it's not right. It's not right. Tithing is still New Testamental. Hebrews 7 8. I don't, want, I don't want to go to tithe, but it just popped in. Hebrews 7 8. Let's just look at it quickly. Hebrews 7 8. I'm going to go back in my message. Retrofitted for grace. <laughs> and here. Everybody say here. Where is here? Now, this dispensation, right? 
Here, men that die, not died, past tense. I'm a, I'm a teacher. Men that die, that means present tense men, receive tithes. But he receiveth them of whom it's witness that he liveth. Who is that? Jesus. So when the pastor is receiving the tithe, like if you're here, listen to me. If your pastor, when your pastor is receiving the tithe, he's just a representative of Jesus. Are you hearing me? He didn't say men who died. If he was died, that's so the tithe has passed away. If he said received, that says passed away. But men that die, present tense men now, receive, present tense now, that word receive is present continuous, present continuous, that means they received it, they're receiving, they're going to keep receiving it. Okay? So that means that if you are here, don't question the issue of your pastor receiving tithes. Amen. Get over that. Get over it. Because somebody said it does not mean I have to follow it. It doesn't mean. I mean, it's not, what they're saying is not, it's not biblically accurate. It's an error. It's an error. I, I, I'll say this. was a man called uh, Bishop Carlton Pearson, for example. A great man of God. Great teacher of the word. He got in some little error. And next thing you know, you know, thank God the body of Christ was able to, ex- it was able to kind of, you know, extract that error. So it did not fester. It did not fester. We have to be careful that when we see a man of God say something that is error, we don't just embrace it. We pray for the man of God. We pray for them because they are human too, like you and I. We pray for them, but we don't embrace that thing. Amen? Okay, just let me drop that in. So let's get back to this. Okay? So we said the word of God, sanctify with thy truth. Thy word is truth. Faith is a product of the word. Of faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. Not just hearing the word, but hearing by the word of God. That's why I can be, we can be in a service, listening to a message, somebody's hearing and their person's not hearing. They're both hearing with their ears, but not hearing in their hearts. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the spirit. Hearing what the spirit is saying. Hearing what the spirit is I can be watching you preaching and hear your English. I say, it's not speaking good English. I don't like the way his accent is. And then what's just what happens? I'm getting distracted. And faith is not resonating in my spirit. But when I hear what the spirit is saying through what you're saying, then also then guess what happens? I'm, faith is being built up. The word of faith and grace are the same. With thy truth, thy word is truth. Thy word is truth, full of grace and truth. So when we listen to God's word, we need to listen to what the spirit is saying. Like I, I like how Reverend Teddy was preaching, was teaching the word. Listen to what the Spirit is saying, what we're getting from Him. What we're getting so that way it will now begin to shape how we think, how we think, and how we live. Okay, now let's let's go a little bit deeper. Let's go a little deeper. Romans chapter nine, verse twenty-two to twenty-three. Let's go there. Let's see this. Romans nine, twenty-two to twenty-three. There, there's some subject matter there in the Bible that are very, uh, uh, I don't want to say, they're not tricky, but you have to walk around them in a very interesting way. Look at this. What if God willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much suffering, the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction. Stop there for a minute. Go back to 22. Stop there. Look at 22 again. His wrath to make his power known, endured with much long suffering, vessels of wrath fitted to destruction. Stop there. Now, when we look at the scripture, if you're not careful, you come to a conclusion that God has made some people for destruction. If you come to that conclusion, 
God has made some proof for destruction. Now, I, I, I don't agree with that. Because John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gives that whosoever. Okay? If God has made some proof for destruction, why would he love the whole world? Why would he not just love those he has not made for, for destruction? Do you understand what I'm saying? Please think with me. I'm, thinking, I'm talking logically now. Think with me. Uh, think with me. Think with me. Look at the scripture. This scripture cannot bring, up, bring it to. Look at Ephesians 2 and verse 3. Ephesians 2 3. Look at this scripture. It will kind of help us to see this. Among, also, among whom also we had our. The word conversation is lifestyle or lives. In time past, in the loss of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath even as others, or objects of wrath, or vessels of wrath. That word, children there, is the same word vessel, same word objects of wrath, even as others. Okay? So this tells you clearly in this scripture that those who are not born again, those who are not saved, who have not accepted Jesus Lord and Savior, in that condition, they are vessels of wrath. I, uh, look at it. Look at it closely. <clears throat> look at verse 2. Go to verse 2. Let's go to verse 2. Let's, let's kind of bring it up a little bit. Okay, what the hell? Good. In fact, start from verse 1. I'm sorry. Let's just read from verse 1. And you have he quickened who were, who were dead, who were dead, who were dead. Of course, thank God we're not dead again. We're alive. Amen? In trespasses and sins, keep going. What this? Wherein in time past, when you were dead, your B, BC, before Christ, when you were dead, when you were insane, where in time past you were according to the call of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. That now worketh, that now worketh, that now worketh. Okay, that's unbelievers, those who are not saved yet. Children of disobedience because they have not accepted, they have not obeyed the gospel yet. They're children of disobedience. Look at the next verse. Verse 3. Among whom also we had our, at the word called just lifestyle, our lives in time past and loss of our flesh, fulfilling his flesh and desires of the mind, and were by nature the children, objects, vessels of wrath, even as others. Okay? Anybody who is not born again is a vessel of wrath. Anybody who is not born again is a vessel of wrath. It's a child of wrath. It's an object of wrath. Okay? So it's not that God has chosen some people special who are if not you are talking if not that's the that's the Jehovah witness only 120 have we saved okay no no it's not talking about that it's the whole world a friend of mine described it this way uh, he said outside it says whosoever the door outside says whosoever come in when you go inside inside it says chosen okay let me say it again outside the Outside the door says, whosoever, come in. When you go inside, it says chosen. So who are the chosen? The chosen are those that choose to come inside. Amen? God has not picked the chosen from outside. God did not have picked them. Do you understand it? Do you understand it? Because God has not, God has predestined that people who respond to the gospel will be the chosen. Let me say it again. God has predestined that whoever responds to the gospel will be the chosen. God has not predestined who the people will be per se. God did not handpick you and not handpick him. You see what I'm saying? Do, do you understand me? Hallelujah. Because if that be the case then, God will be unfair to people. 
That will be, then why am I preaching? Then God will save whoever he wants to save. Who he doesn't want to save is not going to save because he has already predestined who's coming to heaven. Hallelujah. Heaven has more. Uh, you know, sometimes when you go to a city in America, you're driving through it, you see a sign saying, We have 50,000 hotel beds available in this city. Okay? There's more hotel beds available in heaven than human beings enough can contain. Hallelujah. What I'm saying is that God's provision of people can come into heaven is more than, it's way more than how many people can come in. God's door is wide open. He said, I said before you an open door. It's not a small, it's not a small door. So the narrow is the way that leads to the, to listen. That narrow way, everybody can fit in that narrow way. Hallelujah. Everybody can fit in that narrow way. The way that leads to destruction, they say it's very wide. Okay. It's wide. But the narrow one, believe you me, everybody can fit in. More than enough who can fit in that narrow way. So let's stop having these ideas, though, you know, God has some people are, have been destined for hell. If you if you if you if you keep that kind of mindset, you will not preach the gospel. Let's be honest. Or when you see somebody and you preach to them, you may least when they resist you, say, Oh, maybe they're the ones who are destined to go to hell. Hallelujah. There's some people when I was in when I was in high school, I would have thought they were the prince of the devil. I met them 30 years later, and they are pastors today. I'm not kidding you, they are people. I was in I was in South Africa. And there was a lady who I went to school with. I met her. She's now a pastor. She used to be a Muslim. And she was a covering Muslim when I was in school. She, I never saw her in, as a Christian. Never. Never came to any of our Bible study things. Never for one second. She's a pastor today. I know that pastor who was a Muslim who told me he never opened the Bible in his life. When you give him Gideons, he will give it to somebody else. He told me that personally. He's a geo pastor. He has branches all over the place today. So I'm saying to you that there are people who look at <coughs> who you call objects of wrath. You might think by virtue of them not being saved today, but come back in five years' time. They're on fire for God. Hallelujah. So go back to Romans 9. <coughs> go back to Romans 9, verse 23 now. Thank you. That he might, verse 23, that he might make known the mid riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which are prepared, which he had afore prepared for glory. Vessels of glory. The vessels of mercy, sorry. <coughs> so that's you and I. We're retrofitted for mercy. We're retrofitted for, for grace. We are vessels of mercy. A vessel is something you prepare. Like Reverend was explaining to us yesterday. This thing was made from oak. The oak tree, if I was, well, hopefully it's oak. Let's assume it's oak, okay? <laughs> you can have a table, it can be anything else. But they retrofitted and made it to be a pulpit. A pulpit. God has retrofitted us for grace. Before we were saved, we were vessels, objects of wrath. We were fitted for wrath. But when God, when we accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, he changed us and fitted us for grace. Hallelujah. He fitted us for his honor, for his glory. And that is awesome. Now, there's some scriptures that will help us, kind of guide us to think accordingly. Look at Ephesians 2.10. 
Ephesians 2 10. We are vessels of grace, vessels referred to, to express, to express, to demonstrate his grace. It says that for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which he has before ordained that we should work in them. We are his workmanship. That means he has fitted us. That means that God is working on us. Hallelujah. God is molding us. God has molded us and is still molding us. He has molded and is still molding us. Because the Bible says from glory to glory. So the job is not done. He has first molded us for glory and is adding more layers and more aspects of glory to us. Okay? Onto good works. Onto, there's an intention. There's a purpose for this. There's a purpose for this. We cannot, as people of grace, people who have been molded by God, be people who produce bad works or bad fruit. We can't. It doesn't make sense. Grace people are graceful. Okay? They are graceful. You can't say, well, I'm a grace person. I'm just, I leave. I do things anyhow. You're not. Uh, well, you are, but you're just a useless grace person. I'm sorry. You're not useless to God. You're useless to yourself. Amen. We have been created unto good works. Of that, let, let's just let's take that unto four good works. So if I'm producing bad works, eh, it's not by grace I'm doing it. Like the man who told me, who said that, um, you know, he's under grace. That's why he could do anything. No, no, not under grace. We, we're, by our liberty, we serve. We serve in grace. We are retrofitted for good works. We are fitted to produce good results. Amen. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. Now, people who, many people who talk grace, talk, I have many people who I deal with who say they're grace people. When they hear the word works, they freak, they freak out. That word works is like, ah, you want to hear. Let's, let's talk about works, okay? I told you something. I said in the Old Testament, they had to work to get blessed, they had to do, 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 do to get blessed. This is we are already. Okay? It's like saying, for example, I'm beating my dog, or I'm beating my cow, so my cow can bark. If my, my cow is not a dog, it will not bark. But if it's my dog, my dog will bark naturally because that's the nature of my dog. Okay? When God, has, when God came into our lives, changed us and all that, he retrofitted us to do good works. We're not trying to do works to earn approval. We're not trying to get blessed to do work. We're already blessed. And because we are blessed, we act blessed. We do blessed. We talk blessed. We live blessed. There's a difference. In the Old Testament, they had to do it to earn it. They felt they had to do it to earn it. And that's why they always were never getting it done. But New Testament now, God said, look, let's change the system. Let's make these people blessed. So it's going to be easy for them to do it. But look at what it says there. Which God has ordained that we should walk in them. God has already prepared us for this. You are made for this. If I had to call, and that way I could title the message, I could title the message, you are made for this. You are made for this. Good works should not be strange to you. It should not be strange for you to walk in love. It should not be strange for you to pray, for you to fast, for you to forgive. It should not be strange. The word is called forgiving. Forgive is not for keeping. It's forgiving. It's mercy that you can give away. 
The Bible says in 1 Peter 2 verse 11 that we have obtained mercy. If you have obtained mercy, it's like saying you have obtained money. If you obtain money, you can give it. It's forgiven. Mercy forgiven. Somebody does you wrong, you can give them mercy. That's what is forgiven. It's not for keeping. It's forgiven because you have been made. Look, look at Romans 5 verse 5. Romans 5 and verse 5. Hallelujah. Hope make it not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost who is given unto us. Shed abroad. The word of God is overflowing in us. In our hearts. Our hearts are made full. Full. The very wirings of your heart is love. Now, your heart there is not, there's different between heart. Uh, let, me, let me explain this. If you look at the New Testament, the word heart and the word spirit sometimes are not exactly the same. They use, you know, Christ said out of the bottom of the heart, the mouth speaking. In Matthew 12. That scripture in Matthew 12 is not your spirit. Because if you're a spirit, you will speak right all the time. Out of the bottom of the heart, the mouth speaking. That's your place of meditation. But this one here is talking about your spirit now. Okay? And this was talking about your spirit. Uh, okay. Let's look at Matthew 12. Let's deal with it. Matthew 12, I, I don't have the verse. If you help me pull out the verse, help me out here. Let's deal with that quickly. Let me just show you. We're Bible, stu- we're Bible students, so let's, let's study together. Matthew 12. Uh, out of brothers of the heart, if you can help me pull it out quickly, if you can help me, that will be great. Glory to God. Twenty-four. 34, okay, 34. Matthew 12, 34. Thank you, sir. Okay. Okay, good. Look how it says there. Oh, generation of vipers, how can you be in evil? Speak good things. For out of the bones of the heart, the man speaketh. Look at the next verse. <coughs> A good man from the good treasure of the heart Bring it for good things. An evil man from the evil treasure of the heart. The man is not good because he's good. The man is good because of what he has treasured in his heart already. Okay? <clears throat> your heart is your place of meditation. Your place of med- Remember Jesus said that uh, where a man's treasure is, there's how to be also. So what you treasure, what you put value, will determine is what determines your heart condition. That's what he's talking about here. So, so when you put God's word in your, when you treasure God's word, from that place, that's where you bring forth things. Okay? So a believer, listen very carefully, he has a good spirit, that's true, but if he's not treasuring the word of God in his heart, if that's not where his attention is, he's going to fill up his mind with all kind of garbage, and that's what he's going to be saying. I, I, I know Christians who talk a lot of profanity. They're born again. They don't talk right. Christians talk a lot of fear, unbelief, and doubt. But they are born again. If it was their spirit, they would talk right. Okay? So what it's talking about here in this scripture, it's this heart here, the word heart here, that word in this context is about the place of your meditation, place of your interest. You take some time, you're interested more in, you know, TikTok and all this stuff that's going on, not in God's word, not in things of God. You're going to end up being a TikTok person. You're going to end up talking about that all the time. That will be your focus. 
If you treasure, you know, economics and politics and all that stuff, it's going to be your meditation also. But if God's word becomes the power, the major place you build your life on, it's going to dominate how you think and how you respond to things. And that's important. But going back to that scripture we just came from here, we just read the one we were reading before about the, about the heart. Let's go back to what we were before. Where his workmanship created in Christ. No, no, no. Before the, after that, we've, we've gone past workmanship. We've gone past that. We've gone past that. Romans what? 5 verse 5. Yeah. Romans 5 5. Let's go back there. Romans 5 5. Let's go back there. Let's, let's look at this. Romans 5 5. Go back there. Okay. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. The heart here is talking about your spirit. The very wirings of your spirit, man, is love. Is love. When the Holy Ghost came to live on the inside of you, he brought agape, more than enough agape. Therefore, it is natural. That's the point I'm trying to make. We are retrofitted for this. It's natural. We've been fashioned. You are made for this. You are wired. That is your wiring. It's, listen to me, it's literally it's the most natural way you and I can function, to function in love. So when you are functioning out of love, you are being artificial. You're not being natural. When you're not walking in love, when you're not walking by faith, when you're producing the fruit of the spirit, you are just being a fake. You're being a phony. The real you is a love you. The real you is a faith you. The real you is a holy you. Anything out of that, it's not the real you. It's fake. It's phony. So when the devil tries to tell you you are being a hypocrite because you're not doing the right thing, he's lying to you. He's lying to you. The real you is the Christ you. That's the real you. That's who you are. That's how you've been wired. If your dog doesn't bark and your, bo- your dog starts mooing like a cow, it's a problem. It's a problem. The believer who is not walking in love is a problem. And we need to check it out again. We need to check that believer out again. Now, let's, 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 let's dig a little bit further. Philippians 2, verse 12 and 13. While we're, before we go there, I, I mentioned something yesterday. I want to kind of go back to this. I want to go back to this before I, the Lord began to point this out to me. And I think there are pastors here and there are people here who I believe this will benefit in different ways. James chapter 5. Let's, before we go to Philippians, James chapter 5 verse 13 through 18. James 5, 13 through 18. One of the lies that we hear Christians say is, oh, that's me. This is how I am. That's not who you are. That's not who you are. Oh, I get very angry quickly. That's not who you are. It's how my family is. That's not who you are. That's not your family. It's not your family. Oh, I go from zero to ten, in hundred in two seconds. That's not you. That's not you. That's not you. You've been retrofitted. You have been made in the image of God. Psalm 5, 17 and 18. If you're in Christ, you're a new creature. And those, and those new creatures, that new thing is of God. Is of God. Verse 18. The new creation is of God. Verse 18. New creation is of God. You are of God. You are like God. Let's make man in our image after our likeness. God has remade you now in his image and his likeness. That is the real you. That's the real you. God has rewired you, remade you. That old Adam is dead. 
That old Adam is dead. What received from tradition from the elders, from your family, that's dead. Paul said, the old man is dead. There's a new man now who is made after the image and likeness of God. He's made in the image of Christ. That's who. That's who you are. That's who you are. Now, look at this scripture. I want to quickly touch on this. Then we'll get back into the subject here. Is any among you afflicted? The word afflicted means to be troubled. It means to be wounded, to be troubled. Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Keep going. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let him pray over him in the name of the Lord. Keep going. Prayer of faith shall save the sick. The Lord shall raise them up, and if they have committed sins, it shall be forgiven him. Keep going. 16. Confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that you may heal. The effectual for prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Keep going. Elias was a man subject to like passions, like as we are, yet to pray earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth, but for three years and six months. Stop there. When I looked at this, the Lord began to, I mean, I was sleeping. And the Lord brought this scripture and said, let's talk about this. You know, uh, uh, the word afflicted means to cause pain or trouble. Hmm. There's an emotional component of things that we have not sometimes properly addressed in the body of Christ. Okay? Somebody gets born again. Yeah, your spirit man is perfectly okay. But there are some emotional wounds that the person still carries around. And those emotional wounds, we don't realize it sometimes. When people react to certain way, we, you know, we, we expect, but you're, you're hearing God's word and you're supposed to match up, but it's emotional, emotional wounds. They're very deep sometimes. And sometimes we don't adequately focus on them and deal with them. Now, when I say we, the person does not, as sometimes the church does not provide resource. It says there's any afflicted, let him pray. Affliction is emotional wound and pain. Let him pray. Talk to God. If any is married, let him sing psalms. Then it tells them, let him call for the rest of the church. Which means that if you're going through an emotional condition, don't just, don't just fold your arms and say, well, eh, it is what it is. No. Do something about it. Seek help. Seek help. The church should be a place where there's resource for help. Which means that if you're a pastor, you've got to provide that resource in your church. Not everybody who comes and has emotional pain is a baby. Some people have actually been wounded. I mean, I could tell you that from my personal experience. I could tell you that. I mean, I had experience where I was wounded by church people, even as a pastor. You know, and if not because of my own personal development and maturity, if I was somebody else, I would have probably been out of, I'd have been an atheist by now. You know. So it's important the church is a place of resource, a place where you can go and seek help and seek, you know, uh, counsel and, 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 and emotional succor. So the church must be a place of emotional resource, of resource of help. It's going to be a center, a place where people can have uh, uh, help. But find help. You must find help. Somebody is there who will have solution for you. Sometimes I look at somebody and I not know what Reverend Tokula has been through in life. But if I start talking and I open up to him, it might be that he has been through the same thing. And therefore, by talking to him, he now shares with me. I've been there. This is how God helped me get over it. Amen? Then I can learn from him. 
So you must seek help. You must seek help. And, and um, in your local churches, there will be resource. If it's not there, pastors, please try and make some adjustments. Make some accommodation for that kind of help. Okay? Please try and do that. Then the, then the verse, it says that Elias was a man subject to like passions. The word passions there is emotions. Like as we are. Yet he prayed earnestly. So being a person who has some conditions, emotional, does not mean I should not be praying. Some boys, oh, why were you not in church today? I was feeling kind of sad or moody. Elijah had passions like you. Yet he prayed earnestly. So that should not be an excuse not to pray. Are you hearing me? It should not be an excuse not to pursue God. Not to be an excuse. We're people of faith. That means that sometimes, listen to me, I've got to commit some things to God's hands and trust that God is working on it. And therefore, I walk by faith, not by my feelings. Okay? While I'm trusting God to fix those things, I don't sit down and say, Lord, unto you, until I sit in, my, in the physical, I'm not going to come to church. You know, I can trust God that God is working on some things, and then I can just keep building from there. And let me say this to you. There are people in your life who will never be your friends again. And you have to be cool with that. Some people will know, you, because if you, if you think everybody's going to like you, you, you it's going to affect you. There are, people who, there are people in your family who will not like you again. I'm sorry, they are family members. You, you, they might not really like you. You've got to be able to own up to that. In John 7, Jesus went to his hometown, went to his family in John 7, and he, he's there waiting. It was time of the feast, and he was saying, Jesus, why don't you go outside? His brothers were taunting him. Go outside and show yourself. You are this so-called big Messiah, this so-called Jesus man. Go outside and show off your, 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 all your talents, whatever, they, you know, the way they spoke to him. If you look at the John 7, you're going to see it there. And Jesus was just like, chill with them. They kept trying to taunt him. You are hiding out here. People are out in the, in the feast. Go out and show yourself. So sometimes family members might not believe what to believe. You know, they, your friends from high school, college might not be the same people today. You've got to understand, you've got to be able to mourn the loss of certain relationships. Are you hearing me? So you don't let that burden come on you. Some people, you just have to, okay, we're friends back then. We're not friends again. God bless you. Great experiences. Thank you, Jesus. And move on. Hallelujah. It's good for emotional health. It's good for emotional health. Jesus will feed people. Same way that he feed, we say crucify him. Same way that he fed. After feeding them, John uh, chapter, uh, uh, chapter 6, what they do? When he said, my, my flesh is bread, my blood is drink, same people left him alone. Same people left Jesus. It's there in John 6. They all left him alone. Just turned to the 12. Are you guys also going? He said, no, we're not going anywhere. He just had to, be, had to realize those people that came for bread and for fish. Bye-bye bread and fish people. These are my real disciples, 12 of them here. So you've got to be able to come to that place because it's important. Your mental and emotional health is very, very important. God asked us to, God wants to sanctify us holy, spirit, soul, and body. That means we have a balance. Not spiritually, you are here, emotionally, you are down here. You know, yo, yo, one day you are high in the spirit, next day you are depressed, and nobody knows what's going on. You got to find a place of balance and growth. Balance and growth. You got to find that place. Okay? And, and the Bible says also, confess your faults one to another. 
But it doesn't stop there. It says, I'm praying. I always tell people, if you cannot pray for me, I ain't confessing nothing to you. Uh, yes, sir. Yeah. Sometimes that's how we set up ourselves in church. You tell everybody your problem or your, your history. You want, to, you want to testify. Oh, I used to be a 419. And I wonder why when you come to church, everybody's holding their bags. <laughs> I've been, with, I've been with so many men. Thank God now I'm delivered. Uh, all of a sudden, when you come to church, all the married women, they're holding their husbands tight. <laughs> you wonder why? Confess your faults one to another. Be discerning who you talk to. Be discerning who you open up to. Open up to those who can help you. Okay? Don't just open up and just, and just you know, don't be, don't be that way. Oh, be discerning who you open up to. Let it be somebody who can pray for you. The word faults then in that scripture, verse 16, is not sin. It's, the word faults, like when you have, in geography, you have a line of faults. It plays a weakness. Okay? It plays a weakness. It plays where, anytime, you know, I, I knew somebody who, anytime they got a little depressed, they'll probably go sip it. What a sip it, a sip it is that they go and drink some. A little, you know, yeah. Born again, speaking in tongues, on fire for God. Every time they get a little depressed, uh, they go and sip it. Whenever I talk on the phone and I'm being here, I'm able to sense in my spirit and from here, where, they, where are you going to now? Where are you now? I'm at the store. What are you doing now? Leave that store now. I'm telling them on the phone. Why? Because I know they're about to buy a bottle of alcohol and get drunk and get wasted. You know, and know that. But, uh, so if you can't help me, I'm not going to say nothing to you. If you can't pray with me, if you can't hold me accountable, why tell you? When I tell you to become a rumor, it become a story in town. It becomes something that goes out everywhere. You have to be very, very discerning. You have to, your emotional mental health is important. Find somebody. Say, Lord, send me somebody. There's got to be somebody you can open up to who will be, uh, who you can be vulnerable to, who will protect your vulnerability and help you. It's very important. And I believe in the local church, that resource should be made available. Okay, it should be available. And, and, and let me say this to you, please. Let me say to all of us who are, let me say, older saints who have been around for a while, don't forget where you were before. Don't forget what has delivered, God, God has brought you out of. I know sometimes we're so far from where we were before, but don't ever lose sight because there are younger people who are in those places today. And they need us to be able to, need to see that you are once there. You are once there. So they don't, they don't give up. They don't give up and feel where, where they are. They're just out in the wilderness alone by themselves. So let's make sure we have these this, this things. The Lord just told me to, to just uh, share this little section with you. I hope it was a blessing. Okay. So let's go back to Philippians 2. Thank you. Let's go back to Philippians 2, verse 12 and 13. Let's go back there a little bit. Okay. As you have always obeyed, my beloved, it said, not wherefore my, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work out. If it says work out, it means something has been worked into you. Work out your own salvation. That means salvation has been worked into you, but work it out of you. Work it out of you. 
We're told to continue in grace, persist in grace, make progress in grace, make advancement in grace, work out your own salvation. Salvation is a starting point that has a lot of branches out there, but work out something. Now, when we look at this scripture, you might say, oh, this is work, 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 work out. It kind of puts a lot of emphasis on the work, but look at the next verse. Next verse kind of follows us. For his God which worketh in you, both to will and to do. So the working is actually God working in you. And it's you yielding to the work of God in you. It's you yielding to the work of God in you. Being a grace person does not mean being irresponsible. It doesn't mean just doing anything you want to do. It's yielding to the work of God in you. It's yielding to the work of God in you. Both to will. That work of God in you will make you willing and also make you do of his good pleasure. This is not the Old Testament way I'm trying to do to earn. I'm already made. I'm already made this. I'm made for this. I've already been fitted for this. But as I yield to the working of God on the inside of me, I manifest that which I've already been made in. The working that's worked in me, as I yield to the work of God and the Holy Spirit on the inside of me, here's what happens. That thing becomes evident on the outside. Amen. The Bible speaks about the fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit is the evidence of a maturing plant. Fruit is evidence of a maturing plant. Every fruit has, has already been worked into the plant. When the plant was this small, the fruit was already inside it. As it grows and matures, the evidence starts showing. It's already inside. Amen. These good works we're talking about, they're already inside us. They, but they will manifest as we yield to the spirit, as we yield to the working of God that's already in us. We're, we're made for this. It's not unnatural for us. We're made for this. Like when I see Christians who, who use profanity, who curse all the time, it, it's a problem for me. It, it just shows me that either they are not born again or they've not been told who they are in Christ. They don't know who they are in Christ. I, they don't know who they are in Christ. They just think they are the same person. They thought when they came to the altar and they said the sinner's prayer, they left and they made heaven. Check and that's it. No. There's much more in our grace walk than going to heaven. In fact, I don't, I don't want to minimize it. I'm not, I don't want to say it's the least aspect of our grace walk. It's not the least, but heaven is already secure. My citizenship is in heaven already. Amen. So, but, where, but what God is doing, God is working out something. God wants to win other people. Bring other people into this kingdom experience. Okay? He wants to bring other people into the experience of his love that we have. And we, our conduct, our conduct can encourage or discourage them. The way I live my life, okay, let me give an example. If I go to, this, if I go to the market, I want to buy fruit. I'm not trying to buy bad fruit. If I see bad fruit, I walk away from it. Are you hearing me? If I see good fruit, I buy it. God wants our fruit to be good fruit. So when unbelievers come, they can buy it. Bible, Jesus said, let your light so shine that they will see your good works and give glory to God your Father. Okay? But if my fruit is bad, then unbelievers can pass it by. And I wonder why people are not getting born again, but it's because they are looking at me and instead of my life being an example that draws them to Christ, it's what deters them from Christ. Now I understand everybody has to give an account for their own lives. I understand that. But I don't want to be a stumbling block. Are you hearing me? I don't want to be a stumbling block. The grace walk is not a stumbling block. 
I just leave any house. I have liberty. Liberty, I, I like what you said, sir. I salute you for that. Liberty does not mean just leave anyhow. It doesn't mean anyhow. It means I'm free from the entanglement of sin. I'm free from the, from the of course of the law. I'm free from satanic influence. I can now, I'm free to please God. I'm free to love. I'm free to serve. I'm free to be all that God has called me to be. That's liberty. But that happens because I'm made. I'm wired. God has wired me for this. He has wired me for this. It's not strange. It's not strange. We're not doing it to earn salvation. We're doing it from salvation. It's not for salvation. It's from salvation. Amen? It's not for salvation. It's from salvation. Okay? Let's look at another scripture. Let's kind of work on this a little bit. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10. Okay? 1 Corinthians 15 and 10. It says that, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Hello? Okay. By the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. You see, the grace of God here, Paul said, made me labor, made me work, made me work. So grace does not mean I don't labor. Are you hearing me? Grace does not mean I don't labor. Oh, Christ said it's finished. He doesn't mean it's finished, does not mean it's finished. Go and lay down. His work was finished. Mine continues from there. <laughs> Paul told the church, Paul said, I'm here to make to finish what, what Christ did not finish. There is a part of the work that is left for me to do. That's why the book of Acts does not have an amen to it. The book of Acts is the only book in the New Testament without an amen. Which means the Acts of the Holy Ghost continues. It continues. I labor. And he said, I labor more. It is the grace of God that was with me. So the labor is talking about is the labor that comes from the grace of God. It's labor that comes from work that comes from the grace of God. It's work that proceeds from grace. It's grace-enabled work. It's grace-empowered work. Hallelujah. It's grace-empowered work. We are ordained for this. We are signed for this. Hallelujah. We are signed for this. And what is that work? What is that work? <laughs> what is that work? Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 20 through 26. So I'm a teacher. I do a lot of teaching, so I like to look a lot of Bible for my, my textbook. Just bear with me. Okay, Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 20 through 26. Let me see. I'm going to have to jump. I'm going to have to skip that. No, from verse 20. Okay, before you go there, before you go there, look at 2 Peter 1 5. Quickly, 1 5. 2 Peter 1 5. Sorry, before we go into this other portion of scripture, 2 Peter 1 5. 
Okay. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to your virtue knowledge. And it goes on. I don't want to go into other parts of it. But there's an addition to. There's an addition to. I told you, we're talking about Jesus came, grace and truth. And truth, of course, is the per- word. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word and truth and all that stuff. So add to your faith, add to your grace, virtue. Virtue means good works. That's what the word means. Good works, excellent work. Add to your faith or add to your grace, virtue. Okay, that means that, okay, yeah, thank God I'm, I'm saved. Thank God my sins are forgiven. Thank God I'm a son of God. But now he's saying, add to that virtue. Add to that good work. Let there be some, something more than you just proclaiming I'm a person of grace. Let, 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 I, want you, I want you to be seen more than just being heard. Not just, by, not just hearing you. I want to see you. Add to it virtue. Add to it virtue. Add good works to it. Okay? And that's important. Add good works to it. So God has given us all these things so we can add to. We can add to, not just be people just proclaim that we are, but add to it. Now, let's go back to second, second Timothy chapter 2. Let's go back there. We're looking at it before. Second Timothy 2. Let's look at it so we can see it from in a, in a particular contextual uh, format. I'm about done. Okay. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of, of gold and of silver, but of wood and earth and some to honor and some to dishonor. All of this are in a great house. Look at the next verse. If a man therefore purge himself from this, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. So it says in that house, oh, there are vessels already. Some are gold, some are silver, some are whatever they are. But it says if a person purge himself, then he shall be a vessel unto honor. Even though he's, he was a vessel of wood, was a vessel of gold, but what distinguishes him is purging himself. He's, that's purging himself. You know, that's what distinguishes him. Go on to the next verse, 23. Then it tells us what to purge ourselves from. It's a continuation. Flee youthful loss, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with all that column. It begins to go on when it's from 22. It begins to tell us from these. Remember what it said in verse 21? Point yourself from these. Then it mentions those things. Look at the next verse. Just touching them. I'm not going to go into them deeply. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid knowing this do gender stripes. If you point yourself from these. Next verse, 24. And so the Lord must not strive, but be gentle to all men, apt to teach and patient. Keep going, 25. In meekness, instructing us. So it tells us what to do. So it tells us that if you put yourself from this, you'll be a vessel unto honor. Unto honor. So being a grace person is somebody who understands that there is purging that needs to be done in my life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, now, someone said, well, why is that so? Man is a spirit, has a soul, lives in a body. Okay? Amen? Your spirit man is fixed forever. It's good. Your soul is where the problem is. My soul. Every day we encounter things that challenge our thinking. You look at the news, you see something there. You, people, you interact with people. Just driving out of here, a man will cut you on the road and you find yourself reacting a certain way. Your soul, there's so many stuff that affect your soul. So there's a place for us to constantly purge our soul. 
constantly be purged. Now, purge means to wash up the water by the word. That's what it means. I mean, assessing things from the word perspective and deciding this is right, this is wrong. That purging is that. That's what makes a vessel unto honor. Okay? So there's that constant work that we have to do. But we must understand we are made for this. This is not too hard for us to do. We are made for this. God has fitted us for this already. We are made for this. We are made for this. Amen? So these are not impossible things. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28 and 29. Our last scripture. Hebrews 12, Hebrews 12 28 and 29. last scripture we're going to look at. We're made for this. We're made for it. Okay. Hebrews 12, 28, 29. Hebrews 12, 29. I'm waiting, please. Don't forget what we said earlier on. We're made for this. But also, the Holy Spirit is the wiring. He's our wiring. He's our wiring. So what makes it easy is yielding to the Spirit of God. When the Bible says walk in the Spirit... It tells us if you yield to the Spirit, we're going, I'm going to explain that to you in a minute. If we yield to the Spirit, we'll not fulfill the loss of the flesh. If we yield to the Spirit, okay, look at this. Verse 28. Wherefore we receive a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. That means with grace we serve God. With grace we serve God. God is a consuming fire. Okay, great. Praise God. But look at 28. With grace we serve God. Okay, so imagine what it's like as a grace person. How do I look like when I leave here, when I leave camp meeting, okay, and I'm outside where there's no church person? Is my lifestyle serving God? Is my lifestyle demonstrating a love for God? Is my lifestyle serving? Because we're not serving God just only in, in church. Uh, in Peter, it says we serve when you serve at work, you are serving the Lord Christ. That's what the word of God says. So it tells me that the, the word kingdom there is the kingdom of God's love. <laughs> We've come into a family, we, our position in the kingdom cannot be moved. Okay? It tells it clearly, let us with grace serve God. So when I'm going out in the public, when I'm out in society, my lifestyle must show a person who serves God. A person whose lifestyle is consistent with serving God. Okay? So, being a person of grace does not give me an excuse to live anyhow. That's what I'm saying to you. Okay. Uh, what does it mean to yield to the Spirit? I'm about, I'm about done. To yield to the Spirit is simply this. Give Him major access or pass ahead of you. <coughs> Excuse me. We are driving on the highway and it says yield. What does the yield sign say? Yield sign mean. Yield sign means allow the person to go ahead of you. Okay? To yield to the Spirit means to give the Holy Spirit major access, pass ahead of you. That means that in my consideration, okay, in my, in my daily living, I'm constantly, I'm, I constantly have the alert. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit yield, lead me. I'm going to yield to Him. Okay? Now, how do I do that if I'm not a person that spends time with the Holy Spirit? If I don't spend time praying in tongues, I don't spend time listening for the voice of the Spirit of God, it will not be, it will not be possible. 
That means I have a responsibility. You have, and I have one to constantly spend time in his presence, to pray in the Holy Ghost, to let my spiritual ears be tuned to him. So when he's speaking, I can, I hear him and I can yield to him. Okay. It also means I'm going to be a person of the word because the Holy Spirit will not contradict the word of God. David said, I have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against you. More or less, the word of God becomes also what regulates my attention. So I'm yielding. Yielding to the word is yielding to the spirit. Yielding to the spirit is listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. It's listening to my heart. And that happens by spending time in his presence. Spending time with him. Okay, being aware of his voice. Being aware of his leading. Of his, his leanings. His interests. So, when, I, so when, he, when he moves that way, I yield. I go with him. I go with, that's what it means. To yield means to allow him to have the past ahead of me. And what do I do? I follow that leading. I follow that yielding. I follow that leading. Amen? All this is possible because you've been wired that way. You've been wired that way. That's, if there's anything I want you to leave this, this session with, you've been retrofitted. You've been, you are a vessel of honor. You are a vessel of glory. You are a vessel of grace. You've been retrofitted. God has rewired you. And the Holy Spirit is inside. Amen. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will lead you in the path of righteousness for my name's sake. I'll lead you beside still waters. Okay, I'll lead you into abundance, into health, into wealth, into peace, into joy, into glory. I'll lead you into all the goodness of life as you yield to me. But you've been made for it. You've made for it. Amen. Can we all stand up to our feet? I want us to make this quick confession of faith this morning. Or afternoon. Just make this confession of faith with me. Say, I'm God's workmanship. Created and fashioned. And retrofitted for honor and grace. Therefore, I will yield to the spirit. And live a life that pleases God. Let's say it again. I'm God's workmanship, created and fashioned, and retrofitted for grace and honor. Therefore, I'll yield to the Spirit and live a life that pleases God. Just thank Him for this session. Thank Him for the Word. I trust something has been deposited in your spirit, man. Something has stirred up within you. Just thank Him. Thank Him. Thank Him. Thank Him. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Father, we give you praise tonight, this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. I hear the Lord say, it's easy. It's easy, said the Lord. It's easy, for I've made you for this. It's easy. Don't you say it's difficult no more. Don't you say it's difficult no more, said the Lord. It's easy, said the Lord. I've made you for this. I've worked in you by my spirit to bring you into this relationship with me, said the Lord. Into this place with me, said the Lord. A place of intimacy, a place of sonship. You've got my DNA on the inside of you, said the Lord. You've got my nature inside you. I've worked it in you. It's natural for you to do this. It's natural for you to be this. It's not burdensome. It's not too heavy. It's not burdensome. It's not too heavy, said the Lord. It's easy. 
it's easy therefore yield to my spirit yield to my word yield to my working on the inside of you you will discover things that you thought were hard will drop off easily you will find yourself walking effortlessly in the spirit by grace by grace it's not going to take a lot of hard work a lot of sweat equity it's just going to take yielding to my spirit by grace because I've worked it in you you are my grace fitted vessel unto honor thank you Lord thank you Lord in Jesus name